we are talking about a comic book which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Welcome to Reddit episode 80... Fuck, what episode is this? <laughs> yeah, we're just going to roll with that. Yeah, well, something. Trade Secrets. Episode something something of the Trade Secrets podcast. I am Luke. Uh, we are not awake. In fact, Andy wasn't even awake when I called him this morning. I woke him up. Uh, we're here with Ann. Hi. Andy. First time in five years I forgot about a podcast. Turn your. Can you turn your mic on maybe? Is that the... It is on. It's on. Why is it not working? Patriarchy. Um, <laughs> it's just a patriarchy sign. <laughs> Silence you finally. There we go. There you are. Uh, I'm back. There All you right. are. Uh, Andy. Hey, uh, yeah. <laughs> Joel. Hi, guys. How you doing? <laughs> I mean, sup. Uh, everybody here is drinking bourbon except me. Um because I had enough beer last night to... All right, thank you. You want some vodka? Yeah, shish. Uh, you know, I said this on Twitter, and I'll say it again. The, the greatest thing about having a big full beard and a, and a mohawk is I was walking around in downtown Woodenville yesterday, or a few days ago, and people are just shocked when you're polite to them <laughs> right like That's i was great. in i was in barnes and noble walking around like this in a hoodie and a pair of shorts and the and there's there was a woman uh pushing a, uh, an older lady in a wheelchair and she's having trouble with the door and i was like i can get that for you and i opened the door and she looked at me like i like i had punched her in the stomach or something like <laughs> whoa and luke matthews changing perceptions about big white dudes with <laughs> a beard and a mohawk yeah. since 2015 <laughs> is that a thing it is now. Okay. I guess so. Like, I don't know. I've already been. I've already been called a hipster for it for some reason. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. I think you should I'm have, uh, you know, really flipped things on people and gone with a ninety degree mohawk. So it was from ear oh, to ear, right, <laughs> just straight across the top. Uh-huh. What now? <laughs> yeah, I can grow it really long and then spike it up so I look like one of the dudes from Babylon Five. Yeah. Excellent. Like, yes. I approve. Um. This episode, eventually, we're going to be talking about the first six issues of Black Science, which uh, encompasses the first trade. It's by Rick Remender and Mateo Scalera, and Dean White does the colors. Uh, it's a pretty fantastic book, but we'll talk about that later. Um, I had, fuck me, I had something that I wanted to talk about this show, and I completely fucking spaced on it. So um, there is stuff that I've been reading. I know that. I'll talk into the Guys. Fucking fill some space here. I would if you would stop talking. I have this rash (laughs) right on the inner thigh that I don't know. What should I do? I got nothing. I was going to talk about Power Girl's new outfit, which has nothing to do with the rash on your inner thigh. I hope. (laughs) 
<laughs> or could it? Hey. Or does it? Wait, does she have? Does she still have the window? She does not have the window. It's what? nice. She has like no. a sun icon on the spot where like the meaning a yellow circle on the spot where the the window was. She's also like I think it's being incorporated into Teen Titans, so it's like actually oh, one okay. step less creepy than it could be. Um, she's black. What? What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, what? I, I I realized she existed when like the black cosplayers I follow on Twitter were like, oh my God, look at this, this is awesome. Back to truck up. <clears throat> a super person is now black. Gosh. Other than Miles Morales? And, and, and Captain America? But in America? the DC universe, a yeah. superhero is other now than black. And Luke John Cage? Stewart? Luke what? Cage was always black. No, 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 no. Super. making a joke. No, no, no. Super. Damn it. Damn it. No, <laughs> uh, other than Steel, other than Shaquille O'Neal. There's an actual black superhero. Oh. I'm black Superman person. Kryptonian? Kryptonian. I'll go with that. There we go. Black <laughs> Superman person. Yes. <laughs> Kryptonian. DC, what are you doing? Power Girl's a black. Does she have like a big ass? Still, <laughs> she, yeah, she's got an ass window now. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> now I always thought Super <laughs> Superman should have an ass window, showing off his butt cleavage. If Power Girl has the poop window, but yeah, I, I did like the. You've seen the the picture with the 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 cock window, yes. right? Like, <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. I'm just gonna check up on. Oh, okay. Hey. It has been 32 days since DC Comics did something stupid. Well, it was the holidays, wow. so they were, most of them were probably out of <laughs> the office vacation. for a while. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, n- none of us are awake this morning, are we? Like, man, this is... It. You'd think we'd been, like, off the air for a month, <laughs> month and a half or something, but Jesus Christ. Let's talk about comics. <laughs> Let's talk about comics. I wanted to talk about this. It's so stupid, but I wanted to talk about a tweet that went out. The response that I... I thought the response was hilarious. Some dude... Uh, tweeted, <laughs> yeah, tweeted at Greg Rucka, uh, writer of uh, such comic books as the, the comic I will talk about, which is Lazarus, and um, God, he's written White so Out much good and stuff. GPD, and yep, GCPD. That was the one that GCPD, I was trying to think yeah. of. Queen yeah. and Country, Queen and Country, good comic books. Uh, Sometimes. This, Sometimes this guy says. Lazarus looked like a good title, but it had that stench of smug. At least you don't hide it, but I won't pay to be preached at. And uh, <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I said. I was like, "What the? What the actual fuck?" I mean, first of all, like like Anne said, like what's what what is the message the, of this this like hypothetical Lazarus sermon? Um, I wish that Rucka would have started responding by literally preaching at the guy. Yeah. And yay! I said unto the people, <laughs> "Form ye not into giant capitalist hives." <laughs> well, what he did say though, which. I agree with these. Like he said, I've been writing for twenty years, and my politics are a big part of my writing. So if you don't understand that, that's not my fault. <laughs> right? <laughs> is what he said. And I'm like, because that's the Especially first thing for Greg Rucka. I know, like, right? Of- <laughs> that was that was what was amazing to me because I've you know I've read a bunch of Greg Rucka stuff and I've seen him speak publicly multiple times. Yeah. And there was there's one in particular where um, I went down to. Uh, what was the con before Rose City? Stumptown Comics Fest a couple of, about three years ago. And there was a there was a panel that Rucka was running that was specifically supposed to be about um, writing crime comics and doing, you know, that like style of of story. And he literally in an hour long panel, I think he started off 
kind of hinting toward maybe talking about crime comics and then an hour of of political rants and it was it was about he, he was like like he literally said the phrase you know the typical if you're not angry you're not paying attention mm-hmm. and then just went blah, 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 blah. it's like you know what you're getting <laughs> like, that is a, that is a true facts i mean it's if you look at all of his books you should not be surprised that he a wrote science fiction b wrote a story with a driven. strong female protagonist right c wrote something that had like interesting socio-political ramifications well, and, and to be honest are there aren't I can't think of many post-apocalyptic movies that don't have some amount of social political commentary in them because that's that kind of the point. That would be boring as hell if it didn't. <laughs> right? Like even even shitty zombie books right? are at least like commentary on uh, on like social interactions at a personal level mm-hmm. to some degree. But especially the ones that are about some sort of economic collapse or the road would be the only one that I can think of. Yeah, I guess that's more of a personal thing. Yeah, because they don't really go into what caused the yeah apocalypse what, what at caused all. The apocalypse is sort of a pointless. Note. I, I mean, was thinking of maybe like dread, like the new new dread. But, but at the even, same time, mm. yeah, I was going to say even that has a a certain amount of commentary in the fact that you know they on how humanity would deal with overpopulation yeah. and mm-hmm. how shitty you know how shitty we would deal with it. Right. So, like. But but yeah, the the economic like even the massive like the massive has a huge mm-hmm. you know. I think a it's message. inherent in the world building of like making a dystopian thing. Yeah, I I just I don't I don't know how you, how somebody like gets because it was funny because I I looked through this guy when this guy posted this because Rucka just retweeted him which I thought was <laughs> awesome. Um, I looked through his feed and he there were a couple other things that he was talking about because it's like real racist shit i was just <laughs> <laughs> well like How rucka, could such a thing happen? rucka also like had uh, posted something on on tumblr it was a it was like a bar graph of um that i've seen many times over the last couple of years of the average pay rates for people that work at a college right and it starts at like the president ceo and then goes to the dean and the provost and then the average professor and then like you know, all the way down the line to grad students who are getting paid like garbage. Yeah. And then at the the last thing in the graph is football coach, and it's like <laughs> four times what any of the rest of them are, right? And and this Sports dude, ball. this dude totally was just like, oh, "Is this supposed to make me angry?" And then he goes, blah, blah, and goes off on this thing. I'm like, what, what, what? Where, what angle are you coming at, Greg Rucka from? <laughs> I, I was really hoping you'd say it was something like. In this post was between like first off he you know the guy denied the Holocaust posted that <laughs> and then posted simply the South will rise again <laughs> Benghazi uh, all the Gazis <laughs> Benghazi Steve Gazi <laughs> little genie Qu- Gazi like all of them oh. Yeah, I, so yeah, I, I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was hilarious. Like uh, the exchange between him and and then the stuff that Rucka was saying afterward was just like because all of course all of Rucka's fans were like, what the fuck is this guy even talking about? Uh, so um, there's some things that have happened. Like they're pretty minor in the grand scheme of comic news, but but the first one that I wanted to bring up was the Age of Ultron, the new Age of Ultron trailer. 
Sorry. That's the noise of a thousand. I have no strings. Yeah. And everyone's like, The The second trailer has a cameo of a character, a black female character, and everybody's kind of going nuts about trying to figure who she, figure out who she is. Did? Yeah. It's very minor. There's a scene in a cave where she's like, looking over her shoulder and, and it's um i mean but it's marvel trailers and every like two second clip of a person is some obscure marvel character yeah, they're bringing yeah. up well that's a that's obscure, whatever. howard the duck that's howard the thing the that amazes me about these trailers is that like the frankly the age of ultron trailer has hasn't shown shit no like ultra yeah ultron builds himself out of tony stark's technology and big ass fight ensues, and then it's just a it's random clips of random blah, blah, blah. Avengers having like, feels, yeah, and it's it doesn't um, Hulk drinking a beer. I can't, um, I can't like I want to be hyper excited about it, but I can't judge anything based off of these trailers because they're so just disjointed. Visceral? Yeah. yeah. Like, I have faith in the series. I do. Um, that nothing the trailers have done have like wrecked that faith. So well done. I do have faith. I, well, and I have faith after the first one. I have faith in Joss Whedon's ability to pull it together. Yeah. Um, because that is the one thing that a lot of filmmakers are unable to accomplish is the ensemble cast uh-huh. and and he coping did a really with them. Good job. Mm. Yeah. Talented. Have you seen so, Guardians yet? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So it is Whedon. So who's he going to kill off? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, the yeah, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy. I loved it, but I didn't think it was as good as everyone. Like it was, it didn't live up to the hype. But the hype was like ridiculous for it. It was like way out of control. It was fun. It was fun. I it was a good it like seven times. Mm. It was a good, fun, watchable sci-fi action movie, and I enjoyed it. It was but, a romp, but had a good soundtrack. But there were a lot of people who were like, "It's the best Marvel movie that's come out," and it's like uh, everything, every every single movie since Captain America or since Avengers has been like, "Avengers the, is no, the best no, movie ever," no, and then no, Cap, no. Cap Two, "This is the best Marvel movie ever," which that one actually Wait, is. Was but Thor between Avengers? Thor, Thor was two. I think Thor they two. just sort of went. Oh, so <coughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> Thor two was immediately after. I was going to say that's kind of <laughs> every yeah. Marvel movie except for Thor was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. That movie was. That movie. I was didn't think it was bad. No, it was. I didn't boring. think it was great. Yeah, I thought it was. Um, it was it was the best Star Wars movie I've seen in the last ten years. <laughs> so <Okay. What>, Guardians? <laughs> no, Thor. Thor, Thor too. Two. Oh, okay. Um, there was physics and gratuitous shots of Thor's abs. Like those yeah. are both interests of mine. So <laughs> I felt catered to. I don't know what's up with all y'all. <laughs> I thought it was okay, but I I mean I I still think Cap Two is the best so far. But that's just really good. Yeah, it's yeah. one of my one of my favorite action movies. So, um, but aside from the Age of Ultron trailer, there was also the first trailer for <laughs> for Ant Man, um, which on uh, the trade secrets uh, Facebook, I fixed it by um, putting the secret level music from <laughs> Battle Block Theater onto the nice. last half of it, <laughs> which really makes me want to play Battle Block. Battle Block <laughs> Theater is amazing. Yeah. The Behemoth is amazing. That was definitely a. A trailer like that was even more disjointed than the Age of Ultron trailer. Like it showed n- nothing. Yeah, Z- nothing. It showed him riding an a-, a flying ant, and that's it. And there yeah. were feels right or something. No, not for me anyway. Okay. I I 
I just don't that, care about trailers anymore. Like I, mean, I don't you know, usually it, either. I, I don't. I'm not that invested in them. Like I, I realize what the purpose of the trailer is, and I'm like, this is not an adequate representation of what right. the actual movie is going to be. And I am super excited for the Ant Man movie. I think it's going to be fucking great. I I think it's going to be. Actually, super I've actually fun. seen pictures of Yellow Jacket, which is is uh, she in? Yeah, the movie. Uh, not Wasp, Yellow Jacket. Well, oh, not Wasp. Yeah, who's Yellow, Yellow Jacket? Yellow Jacket is the evil. Yeah. The oh. evil Ant-Man, which okay. in the comic books it's not. It's basically Ant-Man who decided to grow big, but they're yeah. going a different route. The The villain looks better than the than, than the original hero, yeah. so <laughs> it's kind of weird. I don't see, and that's the thing to me, is like Ant-Man hasn't excited me at all, period. The only time that I was interested in an like when they very first announced that they were doing an Ant-Man movie, my initial reaction was, what the fuck? Same. And then... The only thing that got me interested in it was Edgar Wright. When Edgar Wright was going to direct it, like he was super passionate about mm. it, and he was like, "I know it's quirky and I know it's weird, but I can do something with this because I love it, and I'm going to make it awesome." And then when he dropped out, and then there was all these production delays, and like it, it went into fucking development hell, and then they got a director, uh, a who knows director, and they dropped two actors and rewrote the story, and I am like. Edgar Wright doing a passion project of Ant-Man was the only thing that made that even that character interesting to me. Um, without that, the whole the whole thing to me falls apart, and I'm I'm kind of eh. yeah, same way. When I saw the trailer, it's like and yeah, it felt overly emotional for a sort of silly, goofy um, hero, and I I mean you could do that. I could see like your Oh, I'm trying to think of a very serious director. I don't know. Directing, <laughs> like, if Guardians of the Galaxy had been directed by, like, James Cameron, it actually probably would have sucked. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, that's why I fear. Angley. <laughs> Angley. Uh. Well, he, didn't that happen? Was that, did he Hulk? That yeah, was one he of the Hulked Hulks. out. Yeah, yeah. okay. The one that Eddie and I used to argue about all the time. You know, time. I actually kind of like that one, which I, is terrible. I, I like... So Seventy-five percent of it, and then the other twenty-five percent just fucks it up. <laughs> but um, uh, I had the same reaction when I watched. I just watched the Indiana Jones movies again, and Crystal Skull is like seventy mm. percent of that movie is actually a decent, fun Indiana Jones flick, and then there's there's two bits in it that are just so bad that they ruin the whole movie, and then the the last quarter of the movie is so wildly awful, and it's a shame because it like. The rest of the movie was actually kind of fun and kind of cool, and uh. then and then the nuke the fridge is eh, whatever, and then and then Shia LaBeouf starts Tarzan swinging through the woods, and then you're like, <laughs> I'm done with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think I think Temple of Doom set the bar so low that Temple every other, every other movie after that is like, Meh. you know, well, Temple of Doom is better than Temple. Temple of Doom, Crystal Skull. Yeah, that's what we were just talking about. No, no, I'm, I'm like, really? Yeah. I, Temple of Doom's not a good movie. I here's the thing though. There is a I have a huge bank of nostalgia for that movie because it was the first one I ever saw. Mm. And when I was a little kid, I saw Temple of Doom and and the the minecart chase was the most awesome thing for like the seven-year-old me and, fucking yeah. and dudes are getting their hearts ripped out and yeah. their hearts burst into flames. It was a uh, fucking crack open some <laughs> monkey skulls. It Om was. Om Shabbat. Om Shabbat. <laughs> it it's um, 
that minecart chase was like akin to the speeder bike chase in Return of the Jedi uh, for a little kid. Yeah. It was it was but watching the movie as an adult it's not good. It mm-hmm. is not a good movie, and it it subverts everything. Uh, it subverts everything that makes Indiana Jones Indiana Jones. Everything that was good about the first movie, mm-hmm. like yeah. was destroyed. Yeah, like the, the moment the moment it the moment the writers made the whole movie fortune and glory. Like that's not Indiana. Indiana Jones. Like the whole first movie, he was like, "This belongs in a museum," and then the second movie, he's like, "Fortune and glory, kid." Like, what the fuck just happened? Never mind museums. Last Crusade's the I best. What a punch! Stuff. The best of the movies. Like mm, no, absolutely. No. Last Crusade is is slightly better than Raiders, and they're both they're both top of the list with with uh, Temple of Doom below that, and then Crystal Skull like somewhere in the quicksand. Um, yeah, you're wrong. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not the only one to say that you're wrong. But I'm also not the only one that disagrees with you because every other friend I have thinks that Last Crusade is the best of the movies. Oh, it's so horrible. I don't so, well, if we're gonna How is it horrible? It is absolutely not horrible. I think it's the, good. The plane going through but the I tunnel. Like... like, oh, God. Seriously? That's what you're with, bitching about? Oh, there, there's so many hokey moments in that movie where <sighs> Raiders d- didn't camp. have that. You know, uh, it was way too hokey. You've it was got a to little rewatch hokey. Raiders. We just watched all four of them in a row last yeah. weekend, and so, you've got to rewatch Raiders if you think there's not hokiness in it. What's what's hokey? The giant they, boulder rolling oh, down the Hitler, thing. Sign this book for me. <laughs> it's it. I like that movie, and I like. Uh, it's, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not. I'm just saying it's not better than Raiders. Uh, no. Well, yeah, I disagree. Okay. <laughs> so agree to disagree. Um. So comics. Uh, Agent Carter is not a comic. It's a TV show, but it happened, and I haven't seen it yet because <laughs> I haven't looked on Hulu. But apparently, it's real good. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it either. It um, looks real. It looks real good. Has, too. has anyone here watched it. Agent Carter? It's not one yet. of the one of the p- perils of not having cable TV. Next. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on, uh, but the, I did. I did watch Flash, and it's really good. Hey, I, I watched. I was like, "Oh, this is actually watchable." You yeah, also watching really Arrow? Things about it. Uh, I'm not watching Arrow, but I'm going to start watching Arrow. I watched the first couple Arrow. episodes of it, and it's like, uh, "All right," it kind of didn't know where it wanted to go. Yeah, the the first half of the first season has no direction whatsoever. Yeah, but um, I, but this the show does get a lot better. But I watched the the crossover episode with Arrow and right. Flash. Arrow. I was really <laughs> Ash. So I was really impressed that they they're actually taking from the source material. Oh yeah, impressed. Uh, so I mean, Professor Zoom and his mom gets killed, and mm-hmm. and he's trying to figure that out. And so I'm like, oh, I'm impressed. They're actually using the source material instead. And the guy that apparently the guy that plays Barry's dad in the show is the guy that played the Flash in the original yep. uh, '90s TV show. Fact. Really? And they're bringing they're bringing yeah. Mark Hamill back as the trickster. Really? Yes. <laughs> That's neat. Um. Yeah, I've I haven't watched Flash yet because like I said I don't have cable TV. I've I've gotten a few episodes into season 3 of Arrow and um season 2 of Arrow I thought was better than season 1 but had a worse not worse, had a had a more better acting, worse arc. Yeah, like the yeah. the end the end of that season was not as strong as the end of season 1. True mm. facts. Um so I'm I'm looking forward to the rest oh my of God, season 3. Yeah. What the fuck is the assassin's name? Wade Slade Wilson. Slade Wilson. Deathstroke the Terminator. Yes, Deathstroke. Yeah, I love Deathstroke. He's fantastic. Mono Bennett does a great my, job with him. My, I, I don't know about in the show, but I actually that is one of my favorite DC characters. Yeah, yeah. He's fantastic. It's like Manu Bennett is amazing. He's like one of the he carries season two, like so good. Yeah. Um, but what, actual comic comics. One of the things that I wanted to talk about is I'm reading a comic that's now over a year old. Um, called Alex and Ada. Oh, 
Oh, how is that? <laughs> it is so good. And I don't generally like like the Luna Brothers, right? I don't yeah. I haven't liked the stuff they I didn't like Girls. Girls is terrible. Yeah, I didn't like Girls at all. But Alex and Ada is is really good. That's the the is premise that, uh Ada as in Ada Lovelace or No, no, okay. no. no. Uh, the premise is it's a semi near future sci fi where it's it's a it's an android like I totally I got robot. the wrong last name. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> it's it's an Android story. It's a it's a world where artificial intelligence exists. Huh. There are androids in the world and at some point in the near near past of the world there was um, an artificial intelligence that became sentient and <laughs> killed a bunch of people and then they shut it down and created laws about what um, what kind of artificial intelligence uh, robotics companies were allowed to create. Oh. Um, so they were no longer allowed to imbue AIs with sentience. Um, but there are non-sentient a- as, uh, androids and the premise is that this guy's life has kind of gone to shit. His wife left him and, you know, everything's going downhill. And his mother buys him a, an android woman. Um, I'll buy you a friend. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, he's uncomfortable with it for the whole time. And, the, and as he tries to interact with her, she's, you know, as expected, she's very... <laughs> for lack of a better way to put it, very robotic. Gosh. Um, doesn't have any personality at all. So he goes into a uh, kind of an underground forum to find out if it's possible to to hack her firmware to give her a real personality. And then he... He tried that with a real girl, but it didn't go so well. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, so he finds uh, a, a group, an, an underground group who's, who basically f- is able to wake her up and there is apparently all the AIs for these robots have lat- latent sentience that is just locked into their firmware because the companies that made them weren't willing to give up on the experimentation um so they unlock her sentience and then the <laughs> whole story breaks the android basically <laughs> um and it is it is very very good cool it is a it's it's a slow burn for the first few issues but it is super tense um because like right at the same time the the undercurrent is that right at the same time that he unlocks ada um there is this kind of underground movement to free the sentience of a bunch of androids and and make them Mm. you know make it more widespread and this this one android like um shows up at a concert and for most of the concert, nobody knows it's an android, and then something happens, like it gets knocked over in the crowd and gets injured and <clears throat> bleeds purple, which is the android's blood color, and everybody freaks the fuck out and tears it apart. Yeah. Um, oh. Wow. And that's that's kind of the way the story goes, is that society has gotten to this point where everybody is wildly afraid of any android that even hints at a... Um, like. Uh, a mind of their own or any kind of independence um which is where the tension comes from because you know he cr- he un- unlocks ada and then all of a sudden she has this personality and she's you know kind of level-headed but naive and <laughs> she, he's trying to protect her from like society and stuff it's really really good um highly recommended <laughs>
So Black Science. I want to know what tune Black Science went in everybody's head to. Crossfire. Teen Titans. I didn't. Black Science, you'll get caught up in it. <laughs> Sorry, I don't... Black uh, Science, go! Blinded me with science. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she blinded me with science. You just uh, the whole science thing? Science. Black He's Science just, is science. a Rick Remender, Matteo Scalera... Recommender Matteo Scalera and Dean White. Um, It is a uh, speculative science fiction story about um, a man who creates a dimensional portal and a device that can create a dimensional portal and um, tests it uh, on his first test run. He takes (laughs) his on his family. Uh, hey kids, let's go on a let's go on a trip to somewhere we don't know where the fuck we're gonna end up. It'll and, be safe. And of course, the machine has been sabotaged and things go awry. Spoilers, um, not safe. So uh, the best way that the best and easiest way to describe this book is it's uh, lost it's, in space. Well, I was going to say I was going to say sliders. Like, yeah. Sliders yeah. is another good. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. It's like sliders with Remender's kind of fear agent sensibility to yeah. sci-fi. Okay, so I can see where you're going with that, but here's my argument for more of a Lost in Space analogy: um, the fact that in Lost or in Sliders, like they have the the device, but that's really all they have. I feel like they've got more stuff. Like they've got. Well, that's fair, but the the premise the premise of Sliders was. They jump to another dimension and something fucks them up and they aren't able to get back home immediately. So they have to dimension hop until they get to until the right they place. can find the right place. And it's and it's basically always random, which is exactly what this is, right? It's like they don't they don't have their path home anymore, so they have to keep jumping around until they can find a way to get back oh. home. Um, only it's a it's grittier than Sliders ever was. Yeah, uh, and people died in Sliders, right? Um, late in the show, I was gonna say not in like the one season of it I've seen. Yeah, not like in the season, first few seasons, three or four or something. Like um, that. um, oh god, what the fuck's his name? Jerry O'Connell left the show at some point, gets so his character his gets replaced by his brother. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he technically died, and I think John Reese Davies' character died at one Give point me. late. No. But that was like it, it was all. It had nothing to like. It was, that was one of those shows that was in the mid '90s, and it was it had nothing to do with actual actually writing that stuff into plot lines because of you know emotions and story. The Tasha Yar situation. Yeah, oh. it was actors wanted to leave the show, so we have to write them out. Yeah. Um. So this uh, writing or art first. Writing, 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 writing. I love the way this book is written. Um, Remender is a guy who. I haven't yet come across a big miss from Remender yet, um, except for um, Lowe. And and Lowe, actually, I don't... I'd say it's 30%. The, my problems with it, taken as a 100% problem, 30% of it's the writing and 70% of it is Tachini's art. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a miss, but, like, this... This is the kind of story that I like from Remender, especially since my favorite Remender book is Fear Agent, by far. Have you read End League? No. Okay. Never even heard of End League. Mm-hmm. End, League is, uh, <laughs> End League is pretty good, too. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking amazing. Talk about End League. What is it? Uh, it's a superhero book by Rick Remender. That's the huh. best yeah, thing. It's, like, it's without kind of spoiling an alternate it. Divin- uh, dimension, like dimension yeah. Avengers. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's a okay. good way to put it. 
but it's more DC esque as opposed to Marvel esque Avengers. If, okay. if that would make like yeah. I don't want to say it's Justice League because the heroes are not that powerful. Maybe like Supreme Power style of thing. Uh, kind of. Um, it's much darker, <laughs> even Yay. than Supreme Power. Mm. Supreme yeah. Power. Par. 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 On on the note of Remender stuff that I really love, I want to I want to yell at Marvel to fucking reprint the Uncanny X Force Omnibus, please. The fucking thing is two hundred and fifty dollars right now. It's the wow. cheapest you can find it. It's a ninety nine dollar book, and they they like just reprint the goddamn thing. There's obviously demand. Yeah, the Anyways. best death scene ever. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Nightcrawler. Oh, Nightcrawler. Yeah, Nightcrawler. You haven't? Nope. Thanks spoilers. for spoiling. Appreciate it. That's no, why I want to buy the omnibus Nightcrawler so that I can okay. read it. Nightcrawler kills someone in it, but it's not Nightcrawler dying just to... Okay. Yeah. Night- I don't know who dies. It's a dark Nightcrawler. It's amazing. Because yeah. Nightcrawler's death scene itself was pretty good <laughs> back in uh, X-Men. Yeah. Like, what, five years ago at this point? Yeah. Mm. Jesus. Um, so, just the one thing I want to bring up about this is I think this is the strongest example of Rick Remender writing dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's everyone has a distinct voice, which I think is pretty. Yeah, some of them are stereotypical. I yeah, you I know, wasn't kind of tropey. I wasn't sh- honestly, I wasn't sure about this comic for like the first two issues, and once I started getting into issue three and four, I was like, all right. Okay. So like, I I think that the tropes are set up initially, um, so that they can be broken later on. Mm. Yeah, I could see yeah. that. Okay. Oh, yeah. so, spoilers. There's one thing that I, I want to bring up is that the first issue that Joel read was issue number six. Yeah. Right, where oh God. The- <laughs> Good job. Good job, buddy. Yeah, no, I but I didn't understand what the hell was going on, obviously. And so when I He's saw... He's like, oh, some random schlup dies. Okay, yeah. no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh. Eh, whatever. Okay. Turns out that was the protagonist. Hey. <laughs> One of... Oh, and that is the thing. Like, um, Remender does a really good job of properly establishing a sense of peril in this book. Yeah. And it brings me yep. back... Um, it brings me back to the movie Serenity, which I always come back to because, um, you know, you watch the first 13, you watch the only 14 episodes of, of Firefly and you get attached to the characters and then you watch Serenity. And um, I'm a leaf on the wind. Yeah. My, oh. So my wife and I had a very a good conversation about this after we just rewatched it, that um, if you really think about uh, the movie Serenity, Joss Whedon really does wrap up Everything that made the show interesting, everything that kept you watching episode to episode are the things that he wrapped up in that in that movie. Yeah. Like, you know, Wash and Zoe's relationship. Well, he kills off Wash. Book. Uh, Book and his mystery. And then Simon and River. And all of those things get wrapped up and set aside. And he does a good, you know, it's one of those movies where even though technically they're still flying, it's, it's over. It's, that's a good end. And the yeah. reason that I wanted to bring that up was from a storytelling standpoint, um, the, the death of book only was only there to establish the, the peril of the bad guy to, to, to tell you this guy is, is really just as dangerous as they make him out to be. Yeah. But the death of wash is the one in the movie that makes you worried about every other character from that point forward in the movie. Yeah. There is literally no one is safe. No one it Nothing is, is it sacred. Is, it is definitely the first one of the first times I'd watched a movie where I was actually concerned for all of the protagonists. There was never a point after that where I was like and of course, you know, they have this huge fight with the Reavers where 
um, everybody at some point gets some kind of major injury yeah. or poison dart or some something happens. And, and in every case, you're like, holy fuck, who's he going to kill off next? Right? And, and I, then the scene where fucking Mal gets the nerve, like, he, yeah, you know, yeah. he, has the, he gets the paralyzed, like, he gets hit with a perilous attack or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's standing there and you're like, oh shit, they're going <laughs> to kill Mal. They're actually going to do that. Yeah. And. And you actually feel that, right? There's never, like in so much other fiction, you spend all of your time being like, oh, well, he's, he's not in actual danger. Take yeah. notes, right? Star Trek into darkness. Yeah, right? Um, and, and that's how I felt reading this, was especially, I mean, and the, the very first one was when they kill off uh, Ward, right? Yeah. And you're like... This is because they establish Ward as he the guy who's. Well, yeah, I, I think that for me it was when they killed off Jen right at the very fucking beginning. Oh yeah, there's the one is like okay, they're trying to get away and like oh they're gonna get out of oh nope her face disappears <laughs> and he's all by himself and and at first I didn't understand what was going on I thought that was his wife right because right. the conversation that was his wife at first yeah time. and because he was talking about his kids and oh I can't fail him and everything well and I think that's the point. I yeah. think that's what you're supposed to think. Mm. Like that's at least that's the impression that I got. Mm-hmm. Which to an extent was a bit coy because yeah. at some point mid series I was like, okay, how many women has he had affairs with? And yeah. like who is his actual wife? <laughs> yeah. So one like, one thing that I one super, super minor problem that I have with this <laughs> is that how old is his daughter? Eighteen? Yeah. Yeah. He's forty one. He's <laughs> dedicated his entire life to science. And the character strikes me as someone who would not have a relationship at that point in his life. He was an anarchist. He still technically is. Yeah. He, doesn't, he probably doesn't met his wife in college, you know, before he established anything, had a kid early. Like he was, when he got out of college, he was trying to like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. And he was like, oh, wait, I want to do science. And he yeah. had already established that, but he he's an irredeemable character. So the uh, well, luckily you enough, up, you're absolutely right because he dies at the end. Yeah. Mm. Hey. You had brought up you had brought up Jen's death at the beginning, and and that is the one that actually um, it didn't it didn't yet get me into the mindset of nobody's safe because I kind of felt as quickly as they killed her off and as offhandedly, it kind of yeah. felt she kind of felt disposable. Mm. Whereas Ward. Ward did not, which mm. is kind of lame. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of a there there have been a lot of um, discussions about Remender and sexism in general and the way he writes his characters. So maybe that maybe you know killing off a female character in a disposable way, but making you know giving depth to the male characters that die is is part of a problem. I don't know. It doesn't feel like that to me, but I know that's what a lot of people are complaining about with this book. Also, there wasn't enough but, time really to right. Um, but that's to me that she she felt a little disposable. I think it would be more like, problematic for me if there weren't other fully developed female characters. I, but I think it, it set the tone that you know, okay, characters are going to die in this. Yes, yeah. you know, and Why what I get go and maybe okay. Now that you say it that way, I actually think that that's probably what added to what made Ward's death so so impactful was the fact that we have this one character that's like disposable, and mm. then they establish. Ward, they give him inner monologue and depth, and they give him um, this arc where he's supposed to be the protector, and he's promised to get everybody back, and all this stuff um, in his mind, and then they kill him off, and it's like, yeah. now you realize, well, now you realize, okay, nobody is actually safe at all, yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I really love about this book is the fact that I've always been interested in stories where. 
um, the cast kind of constantly rotates and fluctuates, there's, its fluctuates and there's no one main character, mm-hmm. which um, is actually one of the the overarching aggravating things to me about the walking dead is that Rick is still alive. (laughs) Um, Like I really wish that Rick had died, you know, around issue 30 or 40 and then it had just continued with other characters. You know, you establish characters Mm -hmm. through a few arcs and then you move, they move on and you know, the, the group as a whole morphs without being, without having a central pillar. Yeah. And so far I think they've done like, I think in this particular instance, the central pillar of the characters are the kids. Um, yeah. That is who everything is going to rotate around. That seems like they're the mo- most kind of sacred. And that's <clears throat> somewhat of a, th- a theme, I guess, through some of the like wacky alien landscapes that they visit. It's like, it seems to be... I would be surprised if he started like axing babies pointlessly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm down with that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the, the one thing I liked about Ward is they, that Remender establishes, okay, Ward, he's trying to redeem himself, and he comes from a long lineage of soldiers, right? And he's like, oh, this is, this is where my grandfather died, and I read through his diary, and you know, I'm not going to die like this. And he tries his damn hardest not to be like that, but mm-hmm. his duty eventually, <laughs> duty. Yeah, eventually leads Sorry. him to his inevitable fate. That he he dies, you know, and he's like, oh well, you know. I think that's what even try to fight it. What makes it like a little bit more of a pisser, if you will, is Mm -hmm. like he specifically reshaped his life to, you know, not be a soldier and not do the thing. But then he does the thing, and it's very Oedipus, not the motherfucking part, but the other bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and that's that's I think what he what Remender is trying to say through all this, through all the different dimensions that they go through and everything is so wildly different where they have frog people and you have alien civilizations on earth but there's always that fate that they all go through and i think when um mckay and his wife come back mckay and jen come back to take the kids because it's like no we're going to save the kids because everybody else who has done this has killed the kids off and and we're going to try to save the kids but they couldn't because they can't through all these different weird possibilities and whatever there's still this fate that goes through all the different dimensions you know and you can't stop it i'm i'm a huge fan of the uh the premise behind this it's the same premise as sliders and lost in space and and things of that sort where it is basically just giving the writer a playground for creating worlds and fucking with whatever kind of speculative fiction they feel like doing. World War Two, Doctor in, Who, uh, like, Indians versus Nazis is my favorite. Thing yeah, yeah, the, ever the, seen in a comic the, book. the tech techno Native Americans versus World War Two Nazis is that yeah. was really. I mean, I feel like in general this book has a lot of really interesting commentary on colonialism. Yeah, um, because I guess like. For one thing, politically, they say they're anarchists. I'm not sure if I see a ton of evidence in favor of that, aside from the fact that he doesn't really like his boss. Like, ta-da. But, um, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like there is no more imperialist thing you can do than, like, shift into somebody else's dimension and, like, Take over for example, reality. steal their fucking shaman and then shift into a different dimension. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, never really and thought about that. So well, I like so the, the just so it's good. subtle then that there's like the backdrop of it. They say it in the comic. Oh my god, it's like reverse manifest destiny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's a it's a uh, it has that undercurrent 
of why why are they creating this this dimensional portal like what's the actual purpose i mean obviously the purpose you know Harvesting from the resources right from the scientific from the scientist's perspective it is uh you know you were so worried with whether or not you could you didn't stop to think if you should kind of mm-hmm. like yeah. you're you're just one i want to do Wait, this thing so they just like made an imperialism portal yeah <laughs> yeah it's but, great but then from the scientist's boss perspective there's always got to be an undercurrent there's always got to be an, an underlying like how can we how can this benefit us in whatever way and it's it's always going to be like harvesting resources or colonizing or you know trying to find a way to uh you know, bring it around to profit. So uh, as a tangent, as the reader, you know that there are multiple black science teams. Mm -hmm. Most Mm -hmm. of them have died. But if you think about it, right, the fact that none of them had really bumped into each other before this point, Mm -hmm. how likely is it that they're actually going to make it home? Yeah. Yeah, There's no possible way they're going to make it home. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you just think about the uh, the onion, that the theory that they have where you just jump from place to place and there's millions and billions and trillions of um different dimensions yeah how how possibly through all that you can just throw a dart and hit a bullseye where you're not even aiming or even find another black science team that has a working portal that would allow them to use it to go home yeah like the odds are and and that was um another black science team that won't kill them yeah (laughs) also that and that's something that i actually wanted to bring up as a as a i would like to implore uh, Rick Remender not to do the one thing that ruined sliders for me and it was at the end of season three I th- no season two the end of season two um, so the, home the conceit the, gate. the conceit with sliders was that they had a limited amount of time in each place and that time was determined by their portal and it was always random so at the end of season two they jump into a they jump into a world that as best they can tell looks brand looks exactly like home they can't figure out you know what's different about it you know because there was one where they jumped in and green light green lights were red and red lights were green and that was the the only thing yeah but so they get to this this dimension and jerry o'connell's character is like i know we you know they have have some 33 like 30 34 seconds or some shit and he's like i know how to figure this out and he walks up to the front gate of his house and he grabs the gate and he goes this gate has the hinge on this gate has squeaked ever since I've known it. And he opens the gate and it goes and doesn't squeak. And that's what they base their decision on. And he's like, oh, fuck it. And they bail out. And then of course you have the scene where one of it's his, mom. his mom's friends has come over and is like, I'm sorry that your son is missing. And I've fixed this gate for you and walks away. And you're supposed to be like, Oh no. And I went, Fuck you. <laughs> like, I, because it was just so fucking stupid. It was a stupid reason. Yeah. And, uh, reasons are stupid. And I would like, I would like to please make sure that, uh, Remender does not do stupid shit like that in yeah. this book. Um, I feel like there's so much variety of where they are that it'll yeah. be pretty obvious when they get back to, yes. like, their own. And honestly, I think, Earth. well, I was just saying, honestly, I think they'd be pretty happy making it to a close to their reality, <laughs> right? I was thinking about that. We like, made it to another team's reality. Like, hey, we're not in an active war zone. All right. Oh, yeah. Well, that was like at the um, in issue five of this, yeah. or was it the was it the next? Were there it's on this alien planet that has you know? Yeah, but it's it's peaceful and it's nice and it's like there's a point there where a you're just like vending machine with an icon with a human on it, and it wasn't vending humans; it was vending food for humans. <laughs> yeah, and and that's How the point where you're kind of like, yeah, maybe we just stay here. 
because yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to risk. I don't want to risk fish people anymore. Um, yeah, I, and one of the one of the beautiful things about this first arc was how many times he undermines the tropes that he sets up. And like you yeah. said, that's mm-hmm. what like you know it is a little tropey to start. And then he immediately, like about issue three and on, starts taking those tropes and just crushing them. And the the one of them being, you know, the trope of the the father who's made all these mistakes and needs to needs to redeem himself by getting his children home, yeah. and then gets uh, crushed by a pillar in a fight with the guy who sabotaged their machine. Crushed hey. by the pillar that he's created. Yeah. In another, yeah. And it's like by the monkey metaphor. version of him. Yeah. And the the that's my favorite piece of dialogue is on this page when when uh, he says he's talking to Kadir who's the guy who the saboteur and he says every shitty thing you've ever you ever did you found some crafty re- rationalization but you don't get to rationalize this you caused this and then he's like you you get my kids home you fuck you know yeah. it's like well because and, and even though you're a shitty person you're the best person to be able to get them home because you are a survivor yeah <laughs> well like and you will survive at all costs one, the one thing that I, I love about this is that they always they jump back and forth um well there's a lot of things but one of the things is that they jump back and forth between the past what happened before establishing the character and whatnot and then in the future and how they're how they're doing right they kind of didn't do that with ward he did that with his inner monologue mm-hmm. but one of the things before the the last issue was the alternate McKay says, Hey, it's always been Kadir. He's always sabotaged it. Right. It was like, Oh, this motherfucker. So before this last episode, you see that he's kind of a vaudevillian mustache twisting (laughs) evil, evil villain. Right. And then when they start that off, McKay attacks him and is like, Hey, you're the guy that caused this all for once. And, you know, push over and they have, and during that whole conflict, they go in the back they go back and they notice that Kadir, the reason why he did that is because he sabotaged it because he wanted the, the whole pillar to just disappear, yeah. right? And then ruin the whole thing, raise the whole project, and then start all over. He didn't want it for his own self. He wasn't going to take the credit like everybody else was yeah. saying. He, he knew it was evil. He knew right? it was he knew dangerous. It was bad. And it was McKay taking his kids into that room like, hey, we're going to do this. All a big mistake like... Uh, like the Hulk getting yeah. flashed with gamma rays. The and, Yeah. And so during that, you also notice that he's also, he's not as bad as you think he is. Mm-hmm. He, he is kind of, I mean, he did run away when Ward was dying, but he didn't want to die either, which self-preservation is understandable. Mm-hmm. But just making this, this character that is completely evil, you think... And you redeem humanize him. him. Yeah, I yeah. Like you humanize him. And yeah, then redeem also- is a little strong of a word. I'll say I, I'll go with the humanize part. Redeem isn't hasn't happened. But yet. I could see him having a strong character arc, right? Yeah. I could see him being redeemed over the next ten issues or whatnot. Absolutely. But but honestly, I mean, like what kind of evil things did he do though? You know, he's, he's just capitalistic and right. I mean, it's I I wouldn't call what he's done evil, like yeah. selfish. Yeah. yeah. But is but, he? But is he really capitalistic though? Yes. How, how so? Uh, future books, yes. Okay. All right. Future books, <laughs> future he is... Books. He is oh, all right, so maybe he is a bad person. I, I no, just think, I wouldn't say he's a bad person, but he is capitalistic. Okay. All right. And so so maybe... The, and the whole thing is that McKay, who's the main character you think it is, uh, who's a totally evil person in all his actions and everything that he does, um, he finally gets killed and 
Kadir, this evil guy, has to be the hero and carry on the torch mm-hmm. for McKay. And it's something that I've See, never but seen it, in and comic that's, books. That's before. the thing also is that I, I wouldn't necessarily ca- characterize McKay as evil as much as he's just um, – like he's – in some ways he's kind of morally bankrupt, but he's not – he has no moral compass. Yeah, he has no moral compass, but he's not Ooh, flat like evil. He's just, he's like he's narcissistic. Yeah, you know. Um, so it, that's the thing. I mean, he doesn't, for the most part, with the exception of a few characters like Sean, like you said, the token. Um, there, the characters in here are are live in a pretty big gray area. Yeah, and and I like that. Like it's um, yeah. there are Black times. And there are times when I like straight up you know black and white you know good and evil characters melodrama this is not it um Mm. i think uh i think the setup is so fantastic for being able to explore not just the characters but the the um just this wide range of of you know speculative sci-fi stuff that remender could just come up with whatever fuck he wants off top of his head and do it um so let's we've we've talked about the writing for most of this. We need to talk about the art, Matteo Scalera's art. I don't think it's we need. Good. I think it's real good. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's it, real good. It's crisp. It's clean. Everyone's defined. The character design itself. Character is design excellent. is somewhat exaggerated, but in a good way that I, really fits the yeah, weirdness yeah. You figure of the out world. the female characters. Like I couldn't tell the difference between Rebecca and Pia. The small, dark-haired long. ones are yes. blend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Rebecca's dark haired and Pia's dark haired, uh-huh. especially and when they're all wearing the suits that they use yeah. for the mm-hmm. travel. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they they do blend a little. Um, and I and honestly, um, the I, only the only way that I was even able to tell McKay and Kadir apart was that Kadir was in a suit and McKay was in a spacesuit. Like that, like the, they're facially they're very they both similar. Have, like and, narrow noses and yeah. sort of pointy. Mm. Um, facial hair. I do. Yeah. I mean that. That all being said, I think Scalera does a fantastic job with action that better than a lot of artists. And yeah. another book it's dynamic. He, another book that he did recently that um, that really really uh, illustrates that is is Dead Body Road, um, which Great was book. Justin Jordan's revenge crime. Yeah, and uh, they talk like Justin Jordan talks a, a lot about how. The one thing that you never see in comic books because it's so hard to produce is a car chase. And Matteo Scalera pulled off a car chase in Dead Body Road. And his his the dynamism of his action sequences and the way that he handles that is so fantastic. There's so much motion and so yeah. much like so much in uh, intensity to it that And the um, two page layouts in this too are pretty amazing. They work yeah. too, which is yeah. nice because I feel I feel awkward about some two page layouts, but all of these like were super the the two page layouts I dislike are ones where it's not entirely clear that I should be reading the small panels across all the way, right? Just because like either a panel a gutter fell right on the fold or something, you know. Yeah. But these were all really well done. Yeah. Um, and his two page like alien landscapes are gorgeous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's diverse, and um, it's not. I don't think oh, who's the colorist. Uh, Dean White. Dean Dean White does a fantastic job of differentiating worlds. For, like the mm-hmm. palettes yeah. themselves change on different worlds. Yeah. And one of my favorite things that about this book is like every different like realm that you go to feels different mm-hmm. from the cover on. Yeah. yeah. The world building is on point. And everything is completely. I mean, from the alien world where they're riding around in a bug chariot yeah yeah Yeah, inside the chariot i could just imagine the conversation between tokini right 
and and Tocchini and Remender like Remender is on some serious acid trip about okay we're gonna start out with uh, these fish people that are riding uh, lampreys or not lampreys but um, remember. God, the remores. eels, remores. Yeah, thank you. We were writing remores, and then they fall into. That's uh, a <laughs> And we're gonna fall into the 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 frog kingdom, and they have uh, electric tongues. Yeah, and, and how how do you even sparse that out in order to draw it? I do want to know. Why like, did you bring up Tachini for that? Because it's Scalera. It's Scalera. Scalera. Tachini. Tachini was last days of American crime. Oh, okay. That. That's my mistake. Sorry. Okay, I'm just making sure no, that S- there Scalera. wasn't a, a parallel you were no, trying no, to No, 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 okay. no. And Tachini's like, I'm nope, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. But I, I don't even know how you take that from written word into into visual yeah. I would art. be really curious to see the scripts for these. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, that would be really cool. I think, uh, I think we're coming around to buy, borrow, burn on this. And for me, it's... it's um, <laughs> Are we? Are we really? I think it's been pretty blatantly obvious. It's blatantly obvious. I think it's an auto-buy um, for me because I absolutely love this style of whack-job sci-fi. Um, I think... I think if you if that kind of whack job sci-fi is not your thing, like the super speculative, like crazy idea sci-fi is not your thing, it might be a borrow. But but I'm going to go ahead and say buy because I think it's extremely well written and I think and I love the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would also give it a buy with a with a couple of caveats. One, definitely buy it if you are writing and if you want to see how to do good world building or morally gray characters. Like yay, that's a great example of both of those things. Um, I would say if you're going to borrow it because you're not feeling sure about it, definitely borrow the entire first trade. Don't just read the first issue. Yes. Droll. Uh, buy it. How I love Reminder. I know. Let me count the ways. It is, a, no. it is the hugest man crush I have ever seen in well, my life. Well, yeah. He made... He, he drew... He created a fish with titties, you know? <laughs> Come on. What's not the love? Uh. <laughs> Oh wow! I know, this is the way to your heart, Joel. Yeah. A fish with titties. Yeah, fish yeah. Because that seems like a Cards Against titty Humanity fish. situation. It just happened. Yeah, <laughs> um, aquatic or amphibious titties. I've oh. always dreamed of that. And he, just right in the first issue, bam! Right there. Mm, so good. <sighs> so good. Andy, I'd buy it. I, I just. I'm trapped in death clock now because Titty Fish is actually a song that Murderface <laughs> sings at one point. <laughs> See, I'm not the only one. Uh, yeah. yeah, like I'm going to say anything other than buy. Yeah, I've been on the Remender train for way too long at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, in my opinion, this might be the perfect book. Hmm. I it's like for, in general or the for, perfect for Remender me. book no, for me. Okay. This is the perfect book. It's everything that I love about comics. It's fun. It's morally gray. Yeah. It's unique and interesting. Uh, I have no idea where it's going. It's I fast paced. It's fast paced. Yeah. I think it's better than Fear Agent. Hmm. I don't agree with you I there. I don't feel but so strongly about either of them. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I, I absolutely love Fear Agent. I don't think this is better, but this is also only 10 issues in. Yeah. So. You know, get get it up to sixty or so, and and when it starts to wrap up, and you know, we'll we'll have another discussion at that point. Fair enough. All right. So as part of the wrap up, I want to talk about something that's uh, it's very important to me. Titty fish. <laughs> Titty fish. Um, 
we are actually approaching the end of the sixth gun. Uh, we've it was the the book that started our show uh, that also launched me back into reading comics, and it's uh, it ends at issue fifty. We're on issue forty five now. I know that uh, um, Colin Bunn posted to Twitter that he had uh, just recently turned in the script for issue forty seven. So we're uh, wrapping it up, and that's that's I'm really really looking forward to that it's because really weird. It's like supposed you, to be. No, I mean, follow me through it. Like, no, like for us. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. It, it's like, we started this thing kind of because of Sixth Gun, uh-huh. and well. it's ending? What the fuck? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, so it's, um, it is going to be, it's going to be interesting, because uh, that's, it's still, I'm on issue 41, like I haven't quite caught up yet, um, but it's still, it's still my favorite book. Like, I... I love Colin's writing in that book, and Brian Hurt's art is has just leveled up and leveled up and leveled up for the last four years or five years they've been doing it. So. Gunslinger Volume Two is in previews right now. Yeah, I heard. Um, I can't. I don't. I don't. Well, okay, so it's in previews. I don't. I guess that means that we can order it through our shops. Yeah. But um, like last time when they did the Gunslinger edition, they they made it exclusively available at a con and they're thinking about doing the same thing at Emerald City this year so I might just I'm, I mean I, if, if they have it at Emerald City I'm just going to pick it up from their table okay. um, I, I actually asked Brian Hurt on uh, Twitter when he when he um, mentioned it I, I asked them if there's any chance they can find uh, number 25 out of a out of a thousand because that's the number that I that Joel brought back for me in the first one I'm like hey if I can get number 25 on all of them (laughs) super it would be pretty cool Um, so uh, moving ahead this and by the way this this was episode 85 not episode 80 fuck Uh, oh and we actually have everything through episode 91 planned out ahead of us and we are going to um, once we get closer to episode 90 we will probably start planning the next 10 episodes Um, but episode 86 the next episode is going to be Orc Stain by James Stokoe Uh, episode uh, episode 87 is going to be The Wicked and the Divine which is an image comic Uh, episode 88 we're finally uh, getting to Batman The Long Halloween uh, which after three and a half years now of J- of Joel having yes, Andy's copy Andy. of can I can of I borrow your yeah, copy? You, you can borrow it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually um, last no two two weeks ago it was beginning of January uh, was the tail end of my comic shop having a big sale on trades, um, and I managed to get the the Batman Noir version of the Long Halloween, which is a an entirely black and white. Nice uh, mm. version of it for half price. So, nice. yeah. Uh, then after Batman Along Halloween, we're going to do the first arc of The Massive, which is another comic book that's actually just ended. I'm um, excited. Uh, overall, which that's a fantastic book. Episode 90 is going to be our long read of Lucifer. We're doing the Ooh. whole the whole run, including the three issue um, uh, initial. Up. No, oh. no, it was at the very beginning. The, the three issue miniseries at the very beginning. Which uh um, was collected into the was trades. collected into the trades. And then episode ninety one, we're gonna do next wave Agents of Hate. Oh uh, yeah. Which is Baby absolutely Bulldogs. fantastic. See, that's what it, it like is they were, not part of a Marvel crossover event. No. They were talking about um a lot of people have been talking about this the this female 
black character that has been flashed sh- very briefly in the new Age of Ultron trailer, and I'm like, it would be really cool if it was Monica Rambeau. Oh my god, that'd be so <laughs> great. Be great. So fucking cool. I mean, um, they're going to do a Captain Marvel movie. Right? So you would think you would want to introduce Monica Rambeau. It would be kind of cool. Only as long as Eliza Bloodstone shows up as well, <laughs> wielding a shovel. <laughs> and Machine Man. Um, so yeah, uh, Orkstain, Wicked Divine, Long Halloween, The Massive Lucifer, and Next Wave Agents of Hate. Those are our upcoming episodes. Uh, we have been talking about black science this this episode. If you would like to be a part of the show and ask us questions or send us comments, you can do so via our email address at tradesecretsgeekgrific.com. You can hit up our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash trade secrets podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at trade secrets pod. We're all individually on Twitter. I'm at, I'm at geek elite. Anne is at and bean tweets. Andy is math. Tastrophe. Joel is Superfly. Uh, and w- I am very active on Twitter. So if you want to talk to me, you can, uh, at any of those particular portals, you can, you can send us questions, comments, uh, you can rag on us. You can yell at us, whatever you want to do for the show. Um, this has been episode 80, 80 fuck. fuck. Thank you for coming out, Anne. And how? Thanks, Andy, for letting us into your apartment. I'm just happy I was awake. <laughs> Thank you, Joel. Well, you're welcome. I am Luke, and we are out. Make it harder, make it better, do it faster, make sense stronger.